Hello, and welcome to a very special spoiler cast from Laura K. Buzz. Hello, it's me, woo! And I am here today with some special guests to talk about a video game. I'm being very cryptic and non-explanatory right now. Um, I should probably talk about some of those things I'm not saying. Special <laughs> guests, who are you? <laughs> Hi, this is Mari from the Geek Remix channel. And I'm Stacy from the Geek Remix channel. And... You're both here because, as I understand it, you both have a lot of things to say about a particular video game that we all played <laughs> last year and that anyone that follows any of our work might be aware that we, we had some thoughts on. That we a recorded of tons of videos about. It's just a couple. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about Life is Strange today because people have been... I, I, was, I talked about Life is Strange like episode by episode as it came out and I suddenly realised I've not really talked about the series as a whole. And who better to do it with than the people who I'm pretty sure made the most Life is Strange videos ever. <laughs> so, era, like yeah. Every week, a new one. Yeah. More, more ridiculous than the last. Yeah, I know. know. You're just, maybe, maybe one of them will be right. Just keep putting them out. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you know, hedge your bets. Throw out all the theories and at least one of them will be right. I got a few messages from the developers being like, oh, wow, you were right about everything except for that one part movie whatever <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious how long it's going to take the pair of you to start doing predictions for life is strange 2 <laughs> oh yeah yeah I, for life is strange 2 i really hope they have a new a whole new town a whole new yeah. set of characters i'm i'm basically hoping it's just teenage angst from a very different set of teenagers with a very different superpower involved. So they'd be like, hey, yeah. different superpower teens to go do, I don't know, pre re freeze time and read memories and set fires. I don't know. Maybe that's what you do. Well, the, I'm hoping the message... It's... Go ahead, Daisy. I'm hoping it's more of like a spiritual successor. Like, they do it with the same type of feel as the first season, but it's not, oh, here is like... Max and Chloe, like, adventure part two, you know? I, I still have my pitch for the next season of Life is Strange, and I'm like, what kind of superpowers can have unintended consequences? And the only pitch I could come up with was a pair of teenage gay men. <laughs> uh, one of them is able to read minds, but every yes. time he does it, he loses a random memory. <gasps> that's that's, oh, that's like That's like Remember Me. I know, yeah. like, don't oh. nod did well with that idea. I want to see them put that in a game that has less of the gameplay and more of the story. So do it, don't nod. Do it. I was I was thinking like a dreamwalker. They can go into other people's dreams <gasps> and see like everything. And then, you know, they try to use that information to get people to like them, like in Life is Strange, but it kind of backfires on you. Basically, it has to center around, I want everyone to like me. Also, I'm a gay teenager. Yeah, as long as they include the gay teenager part, I feel like, you know, the fandoms can be happy with it <laughs> a little bit. Well, they have to not be straight away obviously gay. It's Everyone has to be like, please say they're gay, please say they're gay, please say they're gay, please say they're gay. And episode four, you get one kiss and everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talking about Life is Strange, is there anywhere that any of us particularly want to start? Anything we're burning to talk about? I would say I wish that people gave Max and Chloe a little bit more time to be able to fall in love because mm -hmm. I wanted them to fall in love. But it, I feel like a lot of people are putting a lot of pressure on them to fall in love on day two. 
Well, that's what being a teenager is all about. You fall in love when you first see the person and then you ride off into the sunset for eternity. At least that's how I was. Yeah, you, Stacy, married the first person she ever liked. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is is the problem, is with the way that that episodic series is spread out, it's really easy to forget that they've known each other for a total of about three, maybe four days, five days. They have really not known each other very long at all. Um... Well, they they knew each other when they were kids, and they're reconnecting. But even then, you need like it takes at least a week to build up the courage to ask someone out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, which for me, that's why I like the way they handled it. Where they don't necessarily have to do anything during the game, but if you were like me and very eager to see them canonically lesbian, then you can make them kiss, and it's like that's good enough for me. My head cannons are justified. Nothing can take it away from me now. Mm-hmm. And that was enough for me. Like, I didn't have to see them get married by day five, but one kiss. I was very pleased that that was an option. <laughs> I like yeah. that you could, um, you ride off into the sunset with Chloe, and that was like, for sure, that was 100% there together now. Like, We've you made your choice, up to this. and it's real. Well, it's, yeah. it's the exact same imagery that was used by, like, the end of Gone Home, where it's like, oh, the two of them have driven off into the sunset, and now they are gay together forever. Exactly. <laughs> I, f- I felt like it was really solid, and then a lot of people were kind of upset that you only get a kiss if you let Chloe die, but it doesn't seem like the right time to kiss someone when you, like, kill everyone for them. Like, this is a last t- chance kiss versus a... Uh, <laughs> New yeah, beginning, including, mm. including your girlfriend's family. Yeah, there's there's you know? a lot of there are a lot of decisions that um, Max makes in this game that I'm like, I don't agree with what you did, but <laughs> equally you're a stupid teenager, so I have to forgive you making terrible decisions. Like here is one just from the middle of the game that really stood out to me. You cho- like in my playthrough, I chose to pull the plug on on Chloe. And we then undid we did too. And then I undid that, and I'm like, what I need to do right now is tell Chloe. I need to say, look, Chloe, I just did this thing. I need to be open with you about this. Have conversations with people, but of course you don't because you're Max, the teenager who makes stupid decisions because you're a teenager. And One is really thing- awkward about it, and then doesn't tell people what she's doing. <laughs> One of the things that, like, I really didn't like doing in Life is Strange was rewinding time on anyone, but rewinding time on Chloe because she's Mm. the closest one to it. I, like, at first I loved rewinding time because I was like, oh, God, this is so fun. But then I started feeling really bad about it, like, being manipulative. it's, It's the end of episode two that does it, isn't it? It's that moment of, yeah, rewinding time is not all fun and games. Stop and think about this. And after after the ending of episode two with that whole scene on the roof, every single choice that came up, I was like, oh God, I, I had to rewind time, but this is wrong and bad. Why did I do this? Yeah. And I mean, it start, it makes you start to feel like rewinding time is actually worse than just picking a decision and running with it. Mm. And. You're also using a power on somebody else that they have no ability to understand or defend themselves against. So when people were, like, messing with Frank at the diner, people were like, oh, yeah, he totally deserves, like, to be bullied like this. Because at the time, it seemed like he was a jerk. It turns out Mm -hmm. he wasn't a jerk. But even if he was, does somebody deserve to be tortured in a time loop? Like, you know? 
You know what got me, like, really hit me? It's in that last episode where they basically imply that there are a bunch of timelines where Max messed up and then just bolted from the timeline and that timeline kept going without Max. And the thought that there is, like, there is a timeline where there is a person dead on the floor and Chloe is left to deal with that by herself because Max just popped out of existence. Well, there's an alternate version of that Max that Max left behind. Well, yeah, but that version of Max is just, I don't know, what's what's going on now? Where am I? (laughs) So I, yeah, I viewed it as like your Max's consciousness from the original timeline is going in and out of other Maxes in those timelines. So even though there's still a Max that's Mm. left behind in the timeline... It's not a Max who had any control over what just happened. Yeah, and who is aware of all of the decisions that the original Max was making to lead up until the one decision that she made in the timeline that she visited. And so then, you know, for instance, when you choose to pull the plug on Chloe and then you leave... You're leaving with the Max that's left behind who has to, like, deal with the consequences of your actions. Yeah, that Max that's like, I did not do this, but now I have to explain what happened and I don't know what happened. Why did I do this? Which is the Um, main uh, theme of the game, or so I was told by Michael Kosh. Michael Kosh? I don't know if I'm saying his name right. He was like, yeah, the main theme of the game is... Max never deals with the consequences of her actions and he, she uses her time-traveling powers to try and be perfect and make everybody like her. But at the end of the day and at the end of your life, you know, all those consequences are going to build up into something huge, a.k.a. the tornado. And mm-hmm. you're going to have to face those things. And even though Max thought she was a good person, all this builds up and she realizes that she's not as good a person as she thought she was. And so does the player. The player realizes I'm not as good of a person as I thought I was because I was doing all this to people and I wanted to help them, but I didn't think about them. Yeah, it's what's that line that the other version of Max says where it's something like, you didn't want to do the right thing, you wanted everyone to like you. Yeah. And it's instead like, of yeah. you just you used your power to make yourself popular instead of yeah which is interesting because it's not portrayed in the way that like most teen aimed media presents the you did these things so people would like you and suddenly you're the popular person and yay but, for you <laughs> well exactly it's like she is still presented by the world as being like oh she's not one of the popular group or anything but for the people that matter she is totally doing that she is Making decisions to make people like her, not because they're what she at that moment thought was the right thing to do. Like with Dana's pregnancy test. You don't oh. have to say you're sorry. I did an alternate uh, least popular decisions thing. And if you mm-hmm. don't rewind, she forgives you. Yeah. And you don't need to rewind. And it's a lot more powerful scene because you actually talk to her and she goes, I just wish you weren't so nosy sometimes. And Max goes, I know, I only do it because I care. And then she learns from that. Yeah, Learning from that is so much more powerful than just rewinding and making it so Dana never knew that you went through her stuff. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. she's, giving her, she's giving up every opportunity she has as a character to grow from her experiences. And that is definitely something that she is terrified of doing is like i did something now i have to face the consequences no i don't time travel hooray and i feel like it takes some time for the player to understand that because they're playing as max and so 
you know, even for me, like you're playing as Max, so Max is the good guy, you know, because the player always plays as the good guy and like all the decisions that you make are for the right reasons, blah, blah, blah. And then by the end of the game, you realize, wait a second, I'm the player and I've been choosing the decisions that she does and I've made her into kind of a jerk. And there was a lot of people who got really mad. Like I made this video called The Morality of Time explaining what we're talking about. And then one of the developers was like, yep, this is correct. You did it. And then everyone was really mad because, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to the podcast are going to be mad because they don't want to feel like they didn't make the right choice. They didn't do, Mm. they wanted, they hurt other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is the thing that like, in the first couple of episodes, I definitely was like, see every outcome, make every, like, make sure I know what's going to happen in the short term with everything, rewind everything, then pick something. And as it went on, I did that less and less. And I did start to be like, this character needs to pick a choice and stick with it. Mm -hmm. And like, there were still obviously times where I did go back on those choices, but I tried to do it less. And, what, a, yeah. mm. what an intense way to write something where they give you a mechanic that's amazing and it like is a complete play on the choice-based adventure game uh, genre. And you start to think, is this okay that I'm doing this? Mm. And you don't want to use the most OP power of all time. And mm. I feel like it plays off of the character's impulse to always want to do the, to choose the best choice. Not just mm-hmm. to choose the right choice, but to like see all the options and then pick from there, which is why I feel like people really latched onto it because they were like, oh, now I get to see all the choices and how they play out and then pick the best one, you know, but mm-hmm. that's not really how life works. You just have to pick an option and just go with it and then apologize if you fucked up. Yeah. And I like the conclusion it seemingly drew with its last episode where it basically pulled it all together to be like you can't always fix everything no matter how many times you try doing things over again and think what if I'd done it this way what if I'd done it this way there's not always a way that's going to make everyone happy and you sometimes have to make decisions and live with consequences and that's a really powerful message which is like do you want to give up the whole world like you know people say I would give anything just to have her back well, mm. okay, give up an entire town of people. I and... Yeah, that, that ending, I did not think they were going to give us an option. I was predicting from a couple of episodes before, I was like, the way this is going to end is you have to go back in time, you have to kill Chloe because Chloe's some fixed point in time, and she mm-hmm. has to die, and that will be the end. And then when they gave you a choice about it, I know some people don't like that there was the choice to be like, oh, why are you murdering all these people for this person you've only just met and it was like well i murdered them all yeah and so did i didn't think about it bad about it i was like (laughs) you know what all the people all the people left in that town are horrible the only other person in that town i liked kate committed suicide who else is there in that town for me that i really want to save i want to save chloe though so you're all gone i'm saving chloe (laughs) well and And, it's also as stacy said the frenchest ending that ever happened (laughs) <laughs> oh yes so it really is <laughs> so French yeah. I, and I'm not okay uh, I'm not really cool with like people going around telling other people like oh the ending you chose isn't canon like the ending you chose is not the real one like 
they're both equally valid and hmm. it's not your business to tell other people that their game isn't the right one yeah so the, the way i feel about that ending is that basically letting chloe die is definitely like the the ending that suggests that your character has learned a lesson and should undo what they did and should take consequences for that blah 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 and that's why you get the longer ending with it that being said, my ending will always be save Chloe and I will never do anything different. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, same. one of the things that you said was that you had thought that Chloe was like a fixed point in time and that she would have to die. That's like I went into the last episode thinking like, great, I'm going to have to kill her. That's going to be like yeah. my option. That's, you know, that'll be the only option. And so when I was given the chance to save her. Mario will tell you, I hesitated for like a second and then I was like, everyone dies. Goodbye. I I do feel kind of bad about that though, because like taking the game mechanics aside and thinking a little bit beyond that ending, that has to feel really awkward as a relationship dynamic for Chloe and Max, where (laughs) Chloe knows. She can never leave you though. Yeah, exactly. She has to love you forever. That's the problem. It's how is that a healthy relationship if she can never leave you? Because, well, I. I let an entire town get murdered by a tornado for you, so... Uh, but, okay, so never here's Never stop the thing. loving me. If you think about it from the passionate French uh, romance story perspective, where, you know, where it's highly romantic, you can either have the really, like, starkly, like, I'm a moral person ending, or you can have the hyper-romanticized version where it's like really passionate. You have the Romeo and Juliet like ending, but instead of dying, they live and everyone else dies. Yeah. Like it's like that, but you know, sometimes you just got to pick your own ending. And I chose to have the one that even though I know it's messed up, I know it's weird. I was like, Nope, it's, it's, this is it. I know what I'm doing and I'm doing it anyway. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is Max making a choice and sticking with it. And even if it's not the choice that necessarily is the greater good, it is her making a choice and deciding I am going to stick with this and I won't take it back. And that's, yeah, yeah I, I kind of like that as a as a bookend to that story. Well, and I mean, she makes a series, well, I mean, at least in our playthrough, you make a series of decisions throughout the game that are all about saving Chloe, like doing whatever you can to save her. And saving her, you know at many different points throughout the game. And so I feel like to make that final choice where you're like, I am saving you no matter the cost because that's what I wanted from the very beginning. Uh, To me, that was a really nice way for me to just bookend the whole thing and say, that was my choice from the very beginning and I'm sticking with it. Exactly. It's like, I have spent too many episodes trying to save you to give up now. Yes, exactly. Mm. I'm not going to give in to the universe. The universe can suck it. I'm going to say Chloe. <laughs> um, Another way some other people uh, interpret it is, uh, is that for the five years that you never called her, never talked to her, never bonded with her, never protected her, never fell in love with her, you got those five days with her to do all the things that you never got to do when she was alive. Mm. So at the beginning of the game, you see her, she gets shot. And you're like, oh, my God, she's dead. And if you had never gotten the chance to rewind time, Max would live for the rest of her life regretting that she never bonded with her, never did any Mm. of those things, never kissed her, never fell in love, never made Chloe feel whole again. And she would regret that. But you get a chance. And Chloe says at the end of the game, you get no matter what happens, nothing's going to take that away from me that you gave me this. 
Yeah. And, uh, that's, oh, it's going to make me cry all over oh, again. Feelings. <laughs> uh. But the thing is, though, you can choose. You can choose to see it as I got a second chance to spend time with the person. Like if everybody has somebody in their life that they wish they had a second chance to do the thing that they never did when they were alive. Mm-hmm. So you can see it as that or you can see it as the person who says, I will do anything to bring them back to life. So it's either I'll do anything mm-hmm. to just have a second chance, a little bit more time with them, or I'll kill a whole town or do anything <laughs> it takes to bring them back. Both of them are equally romantic in completely different ways. Yes. So. so bit of a change of topic. There is one thing that I want to talk about because this is a big complaint always leveled against Life is Strange that I personally think is not a fair complaint necessarily to level on this game. Ever since episode one, people have complained about the use of awkward teenage slang in oh, life. I got news for you, kids. You're awkward. Yeah, this yeah. is my whole point. Is yes, saying "go fuck yourself" and "hella" all the time is really awkward. You know who else is really awkward? Teenagers who don't know what they're doing and are trying to sound cool, even though they don't really know how to fit in. Let's be fair. We're all really awkward. Yeah, we all might we might not be hella hella mad selfie awkward, but we're all pretty awkward in our own ways. And yeah, I think that that was like that is totally awkward teenage attempting to be cool, mm-hmm. as no, opposed and- to just like I can totally see how it was read as business person doesn't know how teenagers talk. But I'm like, no, they it's hired awkward. a guy. That's the point. They hired an actual guy who is from America to mm. make. He was like a linguist or something. So, sorry, guys, this is how you sound. And I know that, like, I see all these people being like, oh, well, Oxenfree has way better dialogue. I'm like, the the beat of the dialogue in Oxenfree is better, but the things they say, they talk like they're, like, 28 years old. They, they talk like people have scripted a scene rather than, I'm going to awkwardly fumble through this scenario because I am a teenager. Exactly. Yeah, it's, mean, like, it's better yeah. writing, but that doesn't make for a better experience with the writing. People just um, want the the fantasy that aligns. They want the realism that aligns with their view of themselves, mm. rather than the realism that aligns with the actual. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many times do I remember as a teenager saying really awkward things, and you know, you like mull it over in your head afterwards mm. because you either didn't come up with a punchline right away. There was a snappy retort that you weren't able to come up with, like during the mix of the conversation. Like you use slang just improperly or really awkwardly. You know, I'm guessing that 10 years down the road, everybody looks back at their teenage self and they're just like, oh, God. I, I, and I, you know. Yeah, I recently looked over my old account on something called Bebo, which used to be the social media of choice for awkward angsty teens and uh, yeah my goodness the the things i was saying were not far off from life is strange dialogue they really weren't yeah so yeah there is that um i guess from there my next thing to to point us towards why did max never tell warren about her time travel powers and then when she tells him he's like cool yeah. Oh, yeah. Bro, okay. I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe. Here's, I believe you. This week's been here's weird. Here's the picture. You can use it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you played through, did you have the option come up to kiss Warren at the end? Yes. Uh, and we didn't. I no, didn't have that option hug. available. 
because I was really nasty to Warren the whole way through because I just kept pushing him away and being like, nope, I don't want to risk coming near you in case that stops me coming near Chloe. And There's always that stress. Yeah, and because of that sort of video gamey stress, I didn't have that as an option. I had hug. Wow. I had hug, but kiss was not an option available to me. Yeah, some people don't get, yeah, they don't get anything. So, but the thing is, though, I can understand why people liked Warren, and he's cute and everything, but there just, there was no content for him. Like, oh, you can either go on a magical adventure with this blue-haired, beautiful woman, and she takes you to junkyards, and you have amazing, like, things together, and you do all this stuff, or you can keep, like, avoiding Warren. Woo. Like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I could see, I could see why people would like him. I mean... I also, I mean, it wasn't what I wanted for my game, but I could see why people would want a really awesome female friendship with Chloe and not to romance her. And if that was what your choice was, then romancing Warren would seem like a logical conclusion if you liked him. That wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted a a blue-haired bae. The problem I I had with Warren is that it felt like any time I committed to anything with him, it was, okay, you can now, no matter what changes, you have to commit to time with him. So it's like, I felt like if I said yes to going to go Abe, it would be like, right, regardless of what happens during your week of time traveling lesbian adventures, you're going to have to do this with Warren and you can't take that back now. It felt like everything with him was very, if you've said yes, you are committed full stop and can't back out. And you that just had me a bit weird. You can't play the game as aromantic. You can you can just nev- not have either of them. I know, but it feels like you can't be nice to Warren without it pushing you down a romantic path with him. Is it? Um... Or that's how I felt going through it at the very least. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. We'll have, I don't, to, we'll I, have to. Yeah, I can't remember if in our playthrough we chose to go with him or not. We said yes. Yes, and we still ended up romancing Chloe. Yeah, I think so. I think I initially said yes, and then regretted it for several episodes. And he, <laughs> kept, he kept bringing it up, and I was like, "No, no, I like Chloe now. Please go away." The thing that the, that locks it in is the kiss in episode yes. three, because what happens is after that, because Chloe's Chloe, she texts Warren saying, "Hey, I just kissed Max. Like, she's mine now." Yeah, which feels a very Chloe thing to do. I love oh, it. Yeah. She's like, what's up? She's incredibly possessive. She's like, oh yeah, that obviously didn't mean anything, but I am going to tell Warren it happened and gloat over him, just so he knows that it happened. Just in case it meant something. I don't know. Oh, it definitely, it meant something. 100% it (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, she laughs and jokes about it afterwards, but it didn't matter to me. I was like, nope, this is real. This is all I need to confirm this is canon and no one can take it away from me now. What really mm-hmm. pissed me off is that people called it fan service. And I'm like, <sighs> um, excuse you. I didn't mm-hmm. know that, that two girls kissing was about you. Um, did you not know? Anytime that anyone who is not a straight white man in any kind of media, it's tokenism and it's fan service. That's just the rules. Uh, it, I was oh. like, no, that's obviously a part of the story. It obviously, like, no, it's girls only don't that. kiss. Uh. Girls don't kiss for like no reason. The- oh, <laughs> the number of people I saw who saw that kiss and were like, no, there's no romance there. It's just friendship kissing. 
friendship like that. kissing. Why? Yeah, it's, do you not know? That's what all girls do. We have friendship kisses just all the time that are just like that, and there's no romantic tension whatsoever. This is, yeah. I honestly think that's from porn or something. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I, I wish I knew. I, I feel like that's like a media stereotype that people like have really bought into that just like, oh, yeah, girls kiss their friends all the time and it's like no big deal. And if they do it, that obviously doesn't mean that one of them is harboring secret feelings for the other. And no, they're, you know, just, they're just gal pals. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's like that really old movie trope where like women would be quote unquote lesbians, but if they had like a real man come around or something, oh, yes. it would make them not. It was it was I, it's not my opinion. <laughs> it's just like what it used to be. They yeah. used to think that like, but they but they really want a man. Like okay, but then why are they doing it? Because why? because reasons, of course. Yeah. Um, other things to talk about in this game. We need to talk about Mr. Jefferson. <gasps> oh God! Okay. Wait, have you guys seen the video of him doing asthma? Yes. No, I don't want to do it. It's terrifying. Oh. I don't like oh it. Oh my god. Uh. What are you talking about? I don't want to think I don't want to hear about this. Yeah, anyway, Stacy and I knew he was no good. Like we saw him for like three seconds. We're like, no, that guy's weird. I yeah. <laughs> I suspected there was something like something was off about him. And when it got to I think it was the beginning of episode two, where there's that conversation between him and Victoria. Yes. And I was like, 100% you are the villain of this because like my my reasoning was very much um Victoria is trying to hit on this teacher if someone if if a if a younger student is trying to hit on him that's probably because rumors existed at some point there's probably no smoke where there isn't fire he's been abducting the girls Stacy mm-hmm. and I very first episode we see him and we we're just both looking at him we're like this is before we even knew there was like any sort of murder shit or anything. We're just yeah, looking at was... him like, yeah. this guy is kind of weird. Like, he looks like he's the type of guy who has sex with his students. And Stacey's yeah. like, yeah, he oh, definitely gosh. does. And so much of his opening speech, if you watch back after knowing the ending, is like, oh, so oh creepy. no, you are talking about binding people up in your basement. Oh no. Yeah. Nobody believed I... me. I made that I... video. Sorry, I just talk over you, Stacey. One, just one second. I made yeah. that video where it was like, Mr. Jefferson, he's the killer. Here's all the evidence. And literally so many guys were like, oh, here's another feminazi, like, just because he's a man, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's just a guy. Like, all of your – it was like a lot of, like, people telling me that I had woman feelings and stuff like that. And then I felt so mm. smug. Well, so smug. It's the, the reason – like, the thing that you should always keep in mind with any kind of who's the murderer type situation is – who is introduced in episode one, made to seem nice, but also feels kind of unsettling for some reason. And it's like, that is Mr. Jefferson. He's the only person who is attempted to be portrayed nice that turns up very soon that, like, something feels slightly off about. Mm-hmm. I don't well, think there's anyone I, else in episode one it could have been, really. What were you I remember say, when... I remember when you made that video and just like you were getting a ton of heat for that video and you were like, Stacy, like, I really think that he is like that there's like this whole conspiracy and like all this stuff. And I definitely can't claim any ownership over that theory because you really like took it and ran with it. But 
we both saw him and we were both like, there's something up with this guy. Yeah. You know? Well, I hope that everyone that called you a feminazi, once it turned out he was the villain, came back to your video to apologize. I'm sure that that is everything that happened. <laughs> because I'm a very rational and sane adult, yeah. I uh, actually went and found all those comments and then replied saying, haha, I was right, you're an idiot. Uh, because I'm very mature and I know how to handle conflict. <laughs> oh goodness so yeah like i knew something was up with him and then i completely just like forgot about him i don't know how this game pulled it off but like beginning of episode two i was like he's gonna be the villain and then when he turns up at the end of episode four i was like wait wait a second okay i, I should have seen that coming but i didn't uh he's just a subtle guy his yeah. whole MO is like subtle shades of grey. He's very, very yeah. low key until he decides to kidnap and murder everyone. Well, when I he shows even... up at the. Go ahead. I think even if you thought that there was something creepy about him, because I know I thought he was creepy, but still when he showed up towards the. at like in that final moment, I was like, what? Mm. Because it I'm is just. Very, smug. I, you know, they build it up to be very shocking, I think. Well, it's it's very much built up that it's very easy to warn people about Nathan. Like, Nathan is a much more obvious and easily explainable threat, which is why you have this whole scene of just, like, explaining to Victoria, look, Nathan is dangerous, stay away from Nathan. Mm -hmm. But because that of that, yeah, she sticks close to Mr. Jefferson because he's a trustable person and, oh, he's, he's evil. But Ugh. here's a cool little point. When you go to the barn... You see the owl, and the mm. owl's there, and the owl is like tied to Mr. Jefferson. And yeah. then when you go to the junkyard, the owl that I, because I'm a huge nerd, mm. I sl slowed down the frames, and I was like, "That's an owl." Flies <laughs> <laughs> across your face, and that's letting you know that Mr. Jefferson is coming. That's like one of those subtle foreshadowing things that they do. Mm. It's an owl flying across your your path, and then Mr. Mm. Jefferson shows up. Mr. Jefferson shows up. I, I temporarily thought that Mr. Jefferson might know about our time travel powers. Because initially I thought that's why he had drugged us, was no, to stop us smug. turning time back. But no, he's, yeah, he is too smug to realize what's going on. He's too you know, smug to think that somebody would be more powerful than him because he, mm. he wants to be the most powerful, which is why he was confused when Max wasn't afraid of him because he was looking in her eyes and he wanted her to be afraid because that's what makes him happy. Yeah. You see girls afraid. He's looking at her and he's like, she's not afraid and I don't know why. And then mm -hmm. he makes her afraid and then he stops caring. Yeah. The other thing I wasn't sure about when that ending of episode four happened, I was concerned that when we woke up, it was going to be too far back and we wouldn't be able to go back and undo Chloe's death. I was like, please don't give Chloe like an end of episode death and not have her around in episode five. I, nope, can't deal with that. Yeah, no, there, that was no. a big fear. I was, I was like, she's coming. No, she'll she'll yeah. be here. I was so glad that she came back, but oh gosh, that whole that whole scene in the in the dark room at the beginning of episode five. It was disturbing. Dark and heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very well handled. I don't think I've seen another video game tackle that kind of theme that tastefully. Here's mm -hmm. the thing I find interesting. Usually when we have shows like Hannibal or like two or you know movies with serial killers everyone's like oh the serial killer is just so like awesome because he's so magnetizing 
And Mr. Jefferson's the exact same character, but you're playing the game through the perspective of the victim, not the Mm. perspective of the detective, not the perspective of somebody trying to find the serial killer. Mm. You're playing it from the perspective of the victim. And that is the thing that made people feel really hateful towards Mr. Jefferson because the Mm. same people who are like, oh, I ship Hannibal with Blah is like, I can't believe that you ship Mr. Jefferson with Max, which is gross. Oh, no, 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 no. That is gross, but I'm saying that it gave people a perspective of being the victim that a lot of other TV shows and video games and stuff do not give you. Yes, and just by the virtue of you having some agency over getting yourself out of that situation and that it's like my motivation for getting out of this situation is... I need to go back in time and save the person that he just murdered that I totally shit Max with. And things like that. It's like, he is the villain because he took me away from everything I've been working towards for four episodes. I have agency to overcome him. He is definitely framed as a villain. Yeah. And he's not just, you know, uh, as Mari pointed out, like a charismatic, like, oh, he's just so... You know, Mm. a lot of TV shows, I feel like they almost like glorify the serial killer. So you come to identify with them in some way or it's like you're secretly rooting for them to escape from the detective's grasp and things like that. And in this, like people just people hated Mr. Jefferson Mm. with a fiery passion. Yeah. Well, like usually with those kind of shows, like the the show that's jumping to mind for that is like Dexter or something where it's like, yeah, root for the person who's murdering everyone because they've got their reasons. Because reasons. Yeah. What I think this did that really helped it was that you spend four episodes before you've met the villain seeing the damage the villain does to people's lives and the lives that he's ruined along the way before you know who it is. So you're getting like the, these people's lives have been ruined by someone without having the face to romanticize, which I think really helps it because by the time that you put a face to the villain, your focus has entirely been on what he's done rather than on him doing these things. And I feel like part of that also has to do with Rachel because Mm. so much of the game builds Rachel up as, you know, even if you, even if you think the whole time, like, wow, she's dead. Like you still kind of secretly hope that you're going to find her. And, you know, I felt like there was a portion of the game where I was like, no, like she's alive. We're going to find her. You know, we just have to find her. Chloe is obviously still really broken up about her and you're since you're very involved with Chloe, you know, you you get a lot of that emotion from her and you get very involved in Rachel's story. And so then when you finally find her, the mm. person who did that to her becomes unforgivable forever. Yeah. I am I there are a lot of people okay, so I know I make fan theories, but I try to make theories that are respectful and I guess mm. I see I saw so many theories that were I'm just gonna say they were victim blamey. They were saying, like, Kate deserved it because she was drinking wine or something. Or Rachel was, like, in a relationship with Mr. Jefferson. Like, who cares if that did or didn't happen? Two, there's no evidence to back that up. You're just making things up to be, like, controversial or, like, shocking. Mm. And see, why? Why? Why would you even, like, you're just saying things. Just to make it like, oh, it's actually Rachel who's like a bad girl or Kate's not as innocent as you think she is. And I'm like, who cares if they are or are not as 
innocent as they still don't deserve to be murdered they don't deserve to be murdered they don't deserve to be taped up and drugged and photographed on the floor indeed crimes against them are still crimes yes like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter it really doesn't like who cares there's no evidence to even back that up people are just saying things just to like i'm just like so rude Mm. (laughs) So so rude yeah so other characters we've not really talked about yet. Um, we kind of jumped to Mr. Jefferson because he's the the villain in the end, but we didn't really we haven't really talked about Nathan yet, who yes. for the longest time is framed as your villain. In Nathan. episode three, I felt so bad because Stacey and I were reading all of his like school reports, and we started yes. to realize that he's probably dealing with some sort of insane, no, sorry, wrong word, some sort of intense trauma. Mm. He's, yeah acting like a kid who's been something bad it was so sad we yeah. both made theory videos about how he is misunderstood well that's the thing is i've seen a lot of people there's a there's a voicemail in episode five i think it is where you can get this voicemail where he's like look oh. i'm so sorry i shouldn't have done this um mr jefferson's coming for me i don't know what to do etc and i a lot of people don't have any sympathy for him when they hear that they're like well he still did all these horrible things the way i look at it is you can't you don't forgive him his actions he still has to be held accountable for the things he did but there is ways to understand and empathize with what led him there like the the big thing that sticks out to me in my mind was there's um I can't remember where you find this, but basically the point that in his room, um, he he was meant to be going to therapy, and his dad, I think it is, is like, nope, you're not doing that. You're coming to see our doctor, who will give you meds, and you'll come back to school. And mm-hmm. there's all these points where it's like Nathan knew that there was something wrong and was trying to get help, and his family and Mr. Jefferson and the people around him did not enable him to get the help that he needed before things spiraled out of his control. He was on some 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 stuff and you know, he had he had this this ideal version of his dad because he has pictures of his dad all over his room and he has um like number one best son plaque on his wall from when he was like six years old so clearly Mm. he very wants to much wants to have his dad in his life and his dad's not really in his life and i think mr jefferson took advantage of that pretty hard and on top of the fact that nathan was struggling with a lot of issues so Mm. i think a lot of people don't realize that children yes like nathan's still pretty much a child like he started uh uh, grooming Nathan when he was probably mm. like 16, which is something that happens. Mm. And, and like he then went, kind of, yeah. Yeah, he like he offered the one thing that Nathan seemed to be craving in his life, which was a father figure who told him, yes, you're being successful, you're doing things right, I am proud of you. And like his father clearly was not proud of him and all Mr. Jefferson had to do was like step in and be the I am proud of you. Now do these things so that I'll continue to be proud of you. Yeah. And that's, yeah. When I heard that voice message from Nathan, I actually started crying because Mm. I was just, you know, Mari and I spent a lot of time looking into, you know, Nathan's story and the reasons why he probably turned out to be the way that he did. And, you know, like you said, that it doesn't take away the act, the bad actions that he did, 
But you have to look at it from, can we understand like what led him to this point? Like why he might be acting out the way he is? And is it entirely just, well, he's a bad person and so he's doing bad things? No, it's never ever that simple. There's always things that happen to lead somebody up until that point. Yeah, Especially someone that young. Mm, yes. it's, it's, it's not that it excuses his actions, but it does explain the root of them. Yes. And it's that distinction that a lot of people struggle to separate, I think. The, the sort of, well, we can't forgive him because he did all these things. It's like, no, you don't have to forgive him. But it is good to empathize and understand the other bad people at play that led to him being where he ended up. Because there yeah. are kids like Nathan in real life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Stacy and I came from a weird place. And honestly, if you, if it, like, all the people are like, oh, I love Geek Remix so much. You guys are so nice. And I'm like, well, if you guys knew me seven years ago, you would think I was the scum of the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So imagine yeah. who, like, imagine me seven years ago being the scum of the earth and me now, like, you have there's to like give kids somebody in, a chance. There's kids in juvie and there's kids like trying to get their act together. And it's, I feel like a lot of people don't realize how many kids there are out there who are really struggling and people have already thrown them away. Yeah. And why would a kid try to come back from that if nobody wants to, to care? Yeah. I feel like people will look at them and they'll just say, oh, well, they'll be, they're beyond all hope. And it's like, well, actually, they're 16 years old, so not really, <laughs> you know. A lot of things can change from the time when you're 16 to when you're 25 or 24. And just because somebody acts a certain way when they're a teenager doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have to, like, shut the door on them and never open it again. Like, that's very, I, that's a very sad way to look at things, mm. you like, know. Some of the nicest people I've known in life have been people who, if I'd met them a decade earlier... I would have said, no, they're an absolute asshole. They're the scum of the earth. And sometimes, like, people, you know, go through stuff and do things and improve based on, I understand the consequences of my actions and have improved as a person, which is a thing that Max can't do because she rewinds time. Oh, it all came full circle. Oh. <laughs> um, Don't get me wrong. I still think Nathan should go to jail, but I think oh. he should go to get, go to jail and get also yeah. the services he needs. He should be taken. Yeah. Like, jail would be a bad situation, but at least it wouldn't be the manipulative situation he was in and there would be services to help him improve. Yeah. And that is and not something like he has right now. A lot of people, like, when they go through something that's, like, really traumatic or life-changing, you know, in the end, if they're allowed to recover from it, you know, it can actually make you into a better person than you might have been otherwise. Not that, like, trauma should be something, like, that we strive to go no. through in order to be better people, but, you know, if you look at it from a recovery standpoint, I like to think that the things that like I've been through in my life, if I hadn't gone through them, then I wouldn't be the way I am today. And, you know, if you gave Nathan a chance to heal from all of the things that he's been through, like he will probably actually come out on the other side being a really great human being, mm-hmm. possibly. Here, you know? One thing I, I like to point out about Life is Strange is that there's different, I guess I, I, I won't call them victims, but there's different, there are different people who are, responding to something bad that happened to them in different ways. 
Chloe is aggressive and standoffish, and she pushes people away a little bit. Nathan, uh, whoa. And Kate acts, because it just happened to Kate, and she's always been, like, you know, a very sweet person. She's very, she acts in this way that everybody can empathize with, where they're like, oh, Kate, I just want to protect you because you're so sweet. But they don't like the way Chloe responds to being hurt because chloe responds differently and i that really bothers me because if kate never got the justice that she wanted or went through the same things chloe did and over time never got satisfaction for any of those things she would be just as angry and standoffish as chloe and i think a lot of people don't realize that chloe deserves just as much love and attention as kate does kate just is do is responding differently than Chloe, but they all but they both are sad. I think That's it's what, hard for people. Or go ahead. It's just like Chloe. She loses her dad. She feels abandoned by everybody. Of course, she's gonna act that way. I just, I don't know. It's just I feel like people only want others to respond to being traumatized or hurt or going through a bad thing in a very particular way and if you don't do it in that exact way then nobody wants to help you yeah I think it's hard for some people to uh, respond positively to anger you know when people are dealing with grief or trauma and they get really angry or aggressive about it that's a lot harder for some people to deal with and be sympathetic towards and if somebody reacts by turning inward and being more I guess demure like Kate then they look at that and they say oh like that's the proper way to grieve and I understand that and so I'm going to want to help you whereas they look at somebody like Nathan and they're like you know his bad actions aside they look at the way that he's acting and they say no like he's angry and aggressive like I don't want to you know, help him because mm. of that. I think angry responses to those kind of emotions are one of those things that are most easily understood by people who've been there and who have been the person having the angry response to those emotions. Like I know for myself, um, talking a little bit, I was the sort of very angry, rebellious teenager because I was going through a lot of stuff and was not a very happy person. And like, it is not the kind of sad response to trauma that is easily romanticized. Mm -hmm. But it's very, it's from the same root place. It's this having a lot of emotions and not knowing how else to get them out. And this sort of, the instead of it being sadness, it sort of shows its form in secondary emotions that are things like um, frustration at the inability to know how to deal with that situation. And those are all really valid responses to those kind of situations. But they are harder to understand if you've not been there, I think. I think yeah. the main point that everyone should take away from this is that teenagers are still kids. And Mr. Jefferson's an adult, so he can fuck right off. But teenagers are complicated people who are going through things for the very first time. And if you add on top of that an extremely traumatic event, a teenager doesn't know how to deal with that. So if you see a teenager acting like a little shit, yeah, be annoyed, but also realize 
that maybe they're going through something that's very difficult. And, and they're, you know, they don't have the, the benefit of an adult having maybe gone through this several times before and figured out how they should deal with it. And hmm. also, they just, I don't know, I just, the world isn't as easy as categorizing people as evil and good because there's so few people who are actually, for real, actually evil. And then the rest of everybody hmm. else are just people who never learned proper coping skills and never got the chance to learn yeah and that is that is very difficult um i'm just saying when you think which other sort of primary characters we not really talked about yet um we've not talked much about kate we've mentioned kate in a few other discussions but we've not really talked about her by herself um sweet innocent baby you let her die <sighs> That's, <laughs> that is, we reloaded we reloaded don't precious worry. cinnamon roll <laughs> i didn't reload i stuck with her death um, uh, yeah. it, it's one of those things like I have had personal situations very similar to that and that that scene really hit very close to home for me and that was the moment where I was like life is strange this is a really important video game right here no, feeling mm-hmm. that felt oh. like very tough you know what's the worst part about it it's when about two minutes later it comes up with 80% of people managed to save her you are in the 20% of people who couldn't work out how to do it no, 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 no. When we played it, when it first came out, 80% of people didn't manage to save her. Everybody else cheated. I yeah. played it pre-release by about two days. What? Um, I, I, I get games early. That's a perk of the job. And Ugh. yeah, I played that about two days before release and the current split when I finished that episode was 80% failed to save her, 20% saved her. That was a gut punch. That was not fun. <laughs> I um I noticed that one thing that I really felt from the dialogue in that whole rooftop scene was that you really, you know, even if you know somebody very well, you you might not know the exact right things to say in order to make them feel better, you know? Yeah. That's part of like the whole bumbling process of, you know, trying to help somebody who really feels like their life is over that, Mm. you know, they're looking, it's not that they're looking for the exact right things to be said, but they're in such like a desperate place that anything that you tried to say, even if you have the best intentions and are trying your best and you want to help, what you say might not help. And Mm. living with the consequences of that, which is, you know, Kate killing herself, like that's really hard yeah, no. it's, as as someone who's been through that and who has known someone that spoke to them about wanting to commit suicide and then did and I wasn't able to sort of stop them, it's, I was, when I finished episode two, I was very unsure how to feel because mechanically, this is a big criticism I have of the way that that section of episode two is handled, the the way to get the information you need to stop her committing suicide requires you to snoop around her room, Mm. which is the last thing that she wants right now because the entire reason that she is so upset in that episode is a huge invasion of her privacy and the inability for her to control how people find out information about herself. I, I walked into that room where she was crying and the first thing I did was walk over, talk to her. She needs someone to talk to her. She, because again, not thinking about the gameplay mechanisms, 
I need to go and talk to her and make sure she's doing okay. Because I did that rather than snooping, I didn't know what I needed to know. But very quickly, the beginning of episode three, I kind of wish had been the end of episode two. Because there is a text message you receive from her parents that is the complete, thank goodness this actually made me feel much better about this whole situation. Which is when her parents say, you didn't fail to save her, you got closer to saving her than anyone else did. And that put that whole situation in perspective where I was like, that's how to look at this whole situation. But, yeah. No, that was that was completely on point. One thing to 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 uh, change the topic is that okay yeah go ahead I, yeah. I realize i've done that thing where it's like oh yeah i said everything now everything is silent and no one wants to talk no because like you got it so perfectly and i was like we'll just tie that in we'll, a bow we'll and just, move on we'll, we'll just uh that, 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 that's a good silence that, that's a good sign i got paid to write about that whole topic so i'm hoping i know something about <laughs> no it was that was perfectly <laughs> wrapped up in a perfect bow like so, in, in, can't add anymore. In that case, where should we turn from here then? One thing I noticed is that the closer Max is to somebody, the more okay they are with her being who she is, which is a snoop. Like, she's a snoopy. She's snoop. She's mm-hmm. a snoop. Mm. And so, like, everybody else is like, um, Max, can you not go through my stuff? Or she'll, like, sneak into their room. And Kate, I guess, I don't know how she felt. But when you go into Chloe's room, she's like, oh, yeah, you're snooping through my stuff. Cool. I don't care. Like, go ahead. Like, over there. And, like, even when you break her stuff, she's like, oh, you broke my stuff. And then just kind of gets over it. Well, isn't that how you are when I come over? I just go yeah. through all your stuff and seriously. Yeah. yeah, Stacey goes through all my stuff and just, like, looks at everything and plays with stuff. And I'm okay with it. But the point is that Max has this genuine friendship that she has with Chloe that she doesn't have with anybody else and maybe kind of with Warren because she was friends with Warren before she had her time traveling powers it's just I feel like people don't appreciate just how genuine the friendship is between Max and Chloe sometimes because Chloe actually appreciates the qualities in Max that other people don't like so yeah she even tells Max, oh, you've always been such a snoop and I love it. Don't ever change. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've talked, there's a pair of characters we've talked about as a couple, but we've not really talked about either of them as individuals. Do we want to talk about Max and or Chloe as separate characters from each other? Yeah. Well, I we sure. talked about Max a little bit in terms of her character development, but. Yeah, we didn't really touch on Chloe much, though. Chloe, we were just like, romantic interest was pretty oh, much where gosh. we plumped her, which. Oh my god, I love Chloe. Chloe is the best character in anything I love her. I like that she's a uh, manic pixie dream girl, but also then they go, but can you like respect that she's been through a lot? And then a lot of people didn't respect that she's been through a lot, and I was like, "Ah, how dare you? (laughs) (laughs) I like the fact that even though she fits that stereotype a little bit, she also fits the like, screw you stereotype. Like, if you told her that that's how you thought of her, she would she would tell you to go screw. You know what I mean? Like, she is always really straight up about her opinions. I don't know that I would put her in the Manic Pixie Dreamer Girl camp because she's less dreamy than that, you know? Well, 
One thing that made me a little bit hyper defensive for Chloe is that people were really, really pushing a relationship between Max and Chloe. And I'm like, I wanted one too. But people wanted it to happen right now. And I'm like, but she's also just witnessed like her friend is missing that was probably her girlfriend. Like she tells us that she was in love with Rachel. Like I loved her. And then we find her dead body and people are like, so are they going to get together? I'm like, do you even care about how she feels? God, she has yeah. real feelings. She's a person, you know. Like- <laughs> <laughs> now, see, for me, I think a lot of the reason why I like Chloe is I really like Chloe and Max as a pair of characters of being like the, for me, I really like Chloe as one of the two halves of sort of the, the Hi. teenage experience where it's like, there is the, awkward shy um unsure of how to come out of her shell um afraid to sort of experiment with who she is side of teenage of of like the teenage experience that is max and then on the other side you've got chloe who is pretty much everything that max kind of on some level seems to aspire to be where she's sort of confident and creative and she is all of these things that max doesn't feel she can be and She's I, her Tyler Durden. Yes. <laughs> no. Oh, God. That actually hit the nail right on the head. And I really like that as the... Initially, she's very much the, this is the cool friend I have that I want to be like my cool friend. And then over time, it's like, oh, yeah, her situation is not nearly as nice as yours, Max. You probably don't want that particular situation that led to her being like this. I like that Chloe allows Max to be like her full self because whenever you look at, you know, a couple, one of the things that you look for is like, do these people together make them the best versions of themselves? Yeah. And both of them do that for each other. Chloe is a better person when she's around Max. Max is a better person when she's around Chloe. I feel like they just, they complement each other so Mm. well. I, 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 did... I love that we were going to be like, yeah, let's just talk about Chloe. And then we immediately yeah. talked about yeah. their okay. relationship. In, in that case, just talking about Chloe, there is yes. one thing that I felt really uncomfortable about. And not because I felt it was bad, but because it did make me ask questions about how I viewed Chloe as a character. And that is when you see her in episode four, where her, oh, was it episode three? Sorry. When you see her in episode three and her father is not dead, and she has had a happy life. And mm. she has not felt the need to rebel because her life has actually gone an awful lot better. Wait, that's not true. Well, that's okay. Not true yeah. Because if you go into yeah. her computer and haul of her stuff, she's actually still into all the same stuff. She Which, just can't dye her hair blue and can't I, go get food. Again, this is, I didn't catch that the first time around because I went through it quickly because reviews. And I felt really conflicted because I had this moment of, I prefer blue-haired Chloe. I prefer her as a character. I want to spend the game with this version of the character. Am I doing the wrong thing by wanting to spend the rest of the game with this version of the character? That ultimately turned out not to be necessarily accurate, but it did make me think a lot about, do I only like this character because she is the visibly, like, slightly broken, angsty character that they are? No, and that was, it, yeah, that was a weird thing to think about. No, because so, she was punk rock. Even 
we were like, is she still punk rock? Stacy, is she, she still punk She is rock? still punk rock. And she was thankfully. still punk rock if you like go through her computer. And she's still cool with you going through all of her stuff. Yes. She's still into the same stuff, so it's cool. Yeah, and that's the thing, is once I realized, oh, she's still punk rock, okay, that I'm much better with this version of the character now. <laughs> I feel like I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at a character and thinking, you know, at least for me, I identify easier with a character that has a bit of a complex backstory. And, you know, especially looking at Chloe's character, I saw that as, you know, wow, it's not that all of these horrible things that happened to her are something that I would wish on another person. But because she has been through all of those things, I feel like I identify better with her. I'm more attracted to her. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Yeah. Because it's not like I would go up to somebody who has been through no none of those hardships and say like, oh, we have to give you some bad crap to deal with first before I'm going to like you. Yeah, it's you like know? secretly, secretly it's... ruin their life before you ask them out. Yeah. It's like it's not that she's been through that crap, but I, I think like what I like about Chloe is the way she's responded to the crap she's been dealt. And I was like, I can relate to a lot of this. I think you're really cool. I want to be friends with you and maybe do some kissing because you're really cute. You're really cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, the second I finished playing through Life is Strange, I was like, cosplay, I need to cosplay this all the time. Yeah. It's actually just your new wardrobe now. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I hate to be that kind of nerd, but that's a big yeah, part of why my hair is blue. She's got a style that you can get away I, with. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, I'll, I can go with blue hair. It's totally not because of a video game character that I dyed my hair blue. What do you want about? <laughs> uh, my hair is blue not because of Chloe at all right now. No way. Shut up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, with that all said, is there anything we haven't talked about yet that either of you want to bring up and talk a little bit about oh i just uh, want to validate something sorry stacy oh yeah go, go ahead, ahead. <laughs> no because i was gonna go to another character oh i just wanted to validate that uh that a lot of people in the fandom were like oh there's no good uh like perfect happy endings for gay characters and i just wanted to validate that for mm. people i know that some people yeah. you know sometimes it just feels good to hear some people say, yes, that's a valid point. We that, still love the ending, but yes, that's a valid I point. I love the ending, but yes, it does play into the whole um, lesbian romances always have to end with some form of tragedy, which is why yes. I was convinced Life is Strange was going to end with a suicide in the attic, because that's the kind of thing that lesbian narratives tend to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, which, uh, Stacey, you wanted to talk about another character. Yeah, we didn't really talk about uh, Victoria. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, And she was one of the characters that I, she was kind of, she almost was like another Nathan where people really, you know, ragged on her about being a bitch and, you know, she doesn't treat Max very well. And people were like, oh, well, she's just horrible, you know, because she's the horrible I, popular girl stereotype. I, and I feel like a lot of people were more just like, oh, yeah, Victoria and Max, it's happening. Like, I feel <laughs> like that happened later. That what? happened later yeah. once people, once you start to be nice to her and you start seeing a different side to her. And especially once you get to talk to her and say, like, hey, like, you're in trouble and this is my attempt to save you. Mm. But, you know, especially early on in the game, p- 
people really like put her into like one singular box. Oh no, and... I I loved her from episode one, and like I don't. It's it's always weird to me quite how many people didn't assume she was redeemable because like if you show her a little bit of niceness when like you're she's on the stairs and she's been covered in paint and you're like hey you doing okay look you know anything I can do for you etc she she really yeah. seems to appreciate it and I'm like you are totally a redeemable character and that's really mm-hmm. obvious right now I love that but. we do all that stuff to her and she has no idea that we did it and then be I like, know. oh my god are yeah. you okay oh my god oh, I'm so thing. sorry I'm not actually sorry but oh my god <laughs> uh, but yeah I just I, I was so happy when we got that opportunity at the end to be like, look, you don't have to believe it. Like you don't have to like me, but listen to me for like two minutes. I'm not a horrible person to you. Please just listen to me this one time. Yeah. And I liked that they showed, you know, she goes from being a, you know, just a character that is, you know, popular girl, not too nice to you. But then by the end of the game, you get to see this whole other side of her, like, hey, maybe she's just actually really self-conscious and, like, under a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. about the way that she feels that she should be. And, you know, maybe her self-esteem isn't that great. I I just, I really liked how the depth of her character, because when we first saw her, I wasn't sure how much of that they were going to show. I kind of wish we'd seen more of that peppered through the series rather than it being quite so starkly episode one, then episode five. Because, like, you do get to see little bits of it. Like, you see she feels really guilty over the role she played sort of passively or actively in Kate's suicide if if Kate commits suicide. There are little things you can see that will lead you there, but there's there's very little, like, room between... I hate you, but thank you for doing a nice thing. Up to here is the exposition dump of all the reasons I am the way I am. And well, on a side note, I do enjoy that Life is Strange made it so literally everybody in the game was not as evil as we thought they were, except Mr. Jefferson. Except Except Mr. Mr. Jefferson. (laughs) But even the people who do bad things, like uh, David and and victoria and nathan like there there are millions of different versions that people get like imagine the person that you hate that person that you hate there are people who like them because they present a completely different version of themselves to other people mm-hmm. there's just so much more to people than that and that's part of life because life is strange is you can't make ah. it perfect and everybody else and human interaction is extremely complicated and nothing is black and white that's another one of the themes black and white because mr jefferson loves black and white and shades Mm. of gray but the whole life your whole life is shades of gray blah 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 blah. yeah there i mean there was frank david nathan victoria all of their characters by the end of the game you saw them fleshed out a lot and what many people assumed were like oh well David like he's just creepy and he's being weird and like why is he yelling at Kate and all of this stuff and you get to see so much more of like what's really going on by the end of the game because mm. he was being aggressive to her because she's used to dealing with things in a military way so he's like <sighs> let me help you come here yeah, we haven't, you. We haven't really like, ah, get away. 
we haven't really talked about David, have we? Mm-mm. Going... It's kind of hard to mm-hmm. comment on him. Yeah, my, my only real thing to say about him is going into episode five, um, once I realized that like Chloe was dead and Max had been kidnapped, I suddenly had my moment and it was like between episodes four and five releasing. I was like, David's going to be the one to save us. And I really pissed him off and ruined his marriage. Is he going to not rescue me? No, because I ruined his ma- marriage. But oh yeah, he is so much better than that. And I oh I love him. He's wonderful. He's great. I am so sorry for all the horrible things well, I did to him. Uh, he well, did slap Chloe in the face and okay. say that she's a loser. There is that too. He is not. A, he is not. Like... A, he is not a perfect character. But he's also thankfully not petty enough to not save you because you ruined his marriage. Yeah, which I didn't mean that petty. That I like is that people are like, oh, he's problematic. I'm like, well, there's a difference between a problematic character and a character that's fleshed out and and interesting. I I will clarify, when I say I love his character, I don't mean that I love him as a person. I mean that I love the the complexity of his character and how willing everyone was to buy into him being entirely bad and we should always punish him at every turn. Before suddenly having that realization of he's going to save us, and we probably misjudged. I just wish everybody would aspects. look at the characters with a little bit of a broader lens, other than bad, good, bad, yes. good. I hate he, them. I love he them. Is, blah, he blah, is. He is both, and that's what makes him interesting. Because I was so willing to buy into him as entirely bad, and that yeah. is a very good bit of character writing there. Nice. Uh, and they leave hints to show you that he's not, because if you go through his drawers, like a normal person, you just go into someone's bedrooms and open their drawers. You can read that he actually has pamphlets in his drawers that say, like, uh, for people who are in the military and, like, people who are struggling with the civilian life and stuff like that. Just to give you some hints at that, like, you know, he's a weirdo, but, like, it's because he's struggling a little bit right now. Yeah, it's like, they do a very good job of, like, the whole way through the series, I knew that, like, okay, there are reasons for David Madsen being the way he is. He is someone who has come back from a war, and, like, the the effect that war has had on him impacts a lot of why he's doing what he's doing. I still hated him and was like, I'm not going to forgive you or trust you in any scenario. You are bad. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the game made me do that before, like, and was able to go from that to he is the person saving you without it feeling like a out of nowhere turn for the character was very satisfying. Speaking of David, yeah, what about Joyce, the person oh, that you're like, yeah. oh, she's so sweet, and then it's like, why are you so complacent in this like guy? I'm not saying that anybody in the... Sometimes family dynamics need to have a reset. That's it. Some, You know? So mm. David comes in. David's always saying, Oh, Chloe's the problem. Why are you always causing problems, Chloe? And then Joyce goes, Yeah, Chloe. Why are you always like just causing problems? And Chloe's like, What the hell is going on? Stop blaming me for everything that's happening. Because you know how sometimes that can happen. Mm. And then Joyce gets a bad wolf. Like, Happy yeah. that she has a husband, I guess, and is always taking David's side. And then, you know, you have this moment in episode four? No, episode episode three? 
where you confront David. And I think this is a good point where it's like you, everything gets out on the table and then Joyce realizes, oh, my, oh, Chloe's not this mm. like problem child that I've brought her out to be. David's not perfect. <sighs> you need to leave. But it's not like... I'm ruining your family. Yeah. They just need some time apart where everything can reset so the family mm. dynamic can like be a little bit more my, healthy. My my reading on Joyce and why she is the way she is in that relationship is I think she is the polar extreme to most players where she will forgive a lot of his actions knowing the reasoning. Where like she knows, okay, you've been through war, etc. These are the things that are causing you issues and she's very willing to write those things off without stopping to really think about while it explains his actions does it excuse them and mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's the opposite to the route that most of the audience take but I can understand where that comes from well I you think know, I think that David probably came from the same kind of worldview as Chloe before he got in the military and he's very desperate to have a family with Chloe if you go through his stuff because obviously you would go through his stuff. Yeah. And he has birthday cards and stuff for her where he's like, I hope that you accept me and your family. And then obviously Chloe's like, you're not my dad. Mm. And Go then, away. And then Chloe gets blamed for the fact that the family isn't meshing, even though, you know, everybody plays a role. Mm. But what were you going to say, Stacey? Uh, I was actually going to say that in real life family dynamics, it's actually really common as if one of the family members, whether it's like a parent or a child, if one of them starts exhibiting quote unquote troublesome behavior, that they become kind of like the whipping boy and that they become the source of all problems for the family, mm. even things not, that aren't not their fault. Not literally, guys. Not literally. <laughs> no, that's an expression. Yeah. No, um, everyone thinks that they're the problem child, but they're really not. Like if somebody's having a yeah. bad day, they come home and see the kid. And they just push all that on the kid. Yes. So even though the things that Chloe is doing, you know, there are definitely some things that she does that are, you know, not good. Yeah, but... I'll, I'll steal a million pounds from the from the from the disability fund in the desk. Why not? Hey, yeah. that's not her fault. It was fate. Was it fate? Was it? <laughs> it was foreshadowing and fate. It's not her fault. <laughs> oh my goodness! I I do like how much they foreshadow the whole dis um like her ending up in a wheelchair thing. Like episode one, she parks across a bunch of disabled spaces. Then she yeah, gets the she option to steal the she's, disabled she's money. She's destined to, to 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 do that, so it's fine. Yeah. No. Yeah. She's. You mean she's destined for Max to go into a separate timeline and see a different outcome? Well, no. <laughs> because Samuel it's not says, Chloe's destiny. No, 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 guys. Maxes. Samuel says we all have a destiny through all of our different lives. So therefore, Chloe, there is another yeah, like version of Chloe who's she... disabled. So therefore, the version in this one kind of felt like I don't know. There was just like a connection because that's what Samuel says, and obviously yeah, Samuel's like something. Samuel <laughs> also thinks he's a squirrel. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, is is that a good place for us to wrap up, or have we got anywhere anything else we'd like to? Talk oh, about do you want to finish what you were saying, Stacey? Oh, did oh. I interrupt? Oh. No, no, I interrupted, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just talking about, um, because when the whole family dynamics thing came up, like, I feel like that was something that at least a lot of the fans that talked to me, like, after the that episode that we'd recorded, 
they really responded to because they were like, wow, like I feel like that person for my family. I feel like the person that everybody looks at and is like, hey, like why are you screwing up all the time when it's not really that person's fault? Like mm-hmm. there might have been a couple of things that they do that develops that like negative stereotype. But then like once it sets in motion, like that's a real that's a real life family dynamic that just like keeps playing out where people keep blaming like the troubled child for doing all of these things, even though it's not really their fault. It was kind of um it was kind of interesting to see it brought up in a video game in quite that way where you can have an impact on the family that's you know that's doing that to the child. Um, And I liked that we got to talk about it in a way that, you know, people who might be really living through that situation could hear it, you know? Yeah, because I think a lot of people don't realize that either they're doing it or it's being done to them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just pointing it out can, can help it. So, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Life is strange. Hooray! We we, we wrapped it all up in the bag and said a load of things that we thought about a game. So uh, I think this is a good place for us to wrap up. Um, yes. Yes. Mari and Stacy, where can people find you on the internet if they want to hear more of your theories about games that may or may not be accurate and that may or may not make you feminazis? <laughs> <laughs> um, on on YouTube, you can find us on the Geek Remix channel, and on Twitter, you can find me at Geek Remix, and on Tumblr, you can find find me at geekremix.tumblr.com. And Stacy, and I am at Geek Remix a lot on Twitter and Geek Remix a lot on Tumblr. And it's like t- Sir Mix a lot. Indeed, it it yeah. is very much like that. Um, it's a Sir Mix a lot pun. Right. And for anyone listening to this who doesn't know where to find me, you can find me at Laura K. Buzz on pretty much everything. Twitter, LauraKBuzz.com, Laura K. Buzz on YouTube, just Laura K. Buzz. Um, and with that, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for having us, Laura. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Um, thank you, listeners, for listening as well. I hope you think we're cool. <laughs>